Well, good morning, everyone. I was about to say welcome to Faith Bible Church, but that's, uh, that's what I do on other Sundays, not today. Um, first thing I need to do, there was a, an error in the announcements. Somehow we had a miscommunication. This Sunday for Tribe, we're going to be meeting out at the beach. Um, it is our last Sunday of summer. Uh, assuming that the weather holds, I hear that there's supposed to be rain coming back in. And two weeks from tonight, we're going to be doing the kickoff uh, here at the church. We'll be do, uh, grilling up some food and all that kind of stuff. So two weeks from tonight is the kickoff. Tonight is just our ending for the summer. So with that said, let's dive in. Um, in 2005, in a British newspaper, the Sunday Times, uh, they published a story of a woman named Maria Bruner. She was from Germany. She was willing to go to jail to get a break. See, her husband uh, has been unemployed, so she was working part-time cleaning people's homes, uh, trying to make ends meet to help feed uh, the whole family, including the three kids. In the meantime, the husband had been racking up parking tickets, you know, moving violations, all these different things, uh, amounting to about $4,500 worth of tickets. Now the car was registered in Maria's name, so Maria wound up being responsible for that bill. Uh, when they came after Maria, she was willing to go ahead and go to jail simply because she felt, you know what, I'm going to get some time away. She said, I've had enough of scraping, a living, uh, scraping by for a living for the family. As long as I get food and a hot shower every day, I don't mind being sent to jail. I can finally get rest and relaxation. And it was even reported that when the police came to arrest her, she thanked them repeatedly for taking her to jail. Now, I think in some respects, a lot of us feel the same way at different times in life. There are so many things that are going wrong. There are so many stresses that we have. There are so many frustrations that we are under and the burdens that we are under that sometimes we just want to get away from it all. In Maria's case, she was happy to go to jail to do so. Hopefully we're not at that level just yet. Um, today we're going to be looking at our last uh, object lesson, basically from scripture. Uh, it comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, quick review. Uh, this summer-long sermon series that we've been in at the end of the summer, or end of each month, we've been working our way through various object lessons that Scripture teaches us. And the first biblical image or object lesson that we looked at was the undecorated altar. And we saw how the objective of the altar is to be a place of humility, be a place of surrender before God. And we looked at even the shape of the altar and said, look at how it almost looks like um, the capital letter I, and for a couple of reasons, the capital letter I comes out. We looked at the idea that in that we can look at it and say, how is our I being shaped? Is it being shaped by the undecorated altar? But we also looked at it and said, you know what, it kind of looks like a person who's raising their hands in worship and surrender before God. 
So we can see, take those um, illustrations from that particular object lesson that scripture gives us, but it also reminds us it is an undecorated altar. Um, God even says, if you decorate it, you desecrate it. Because he's trying to remind us of the humility. It should not be something about us, something about our altar, any of that kind of stuff. It is all about God. And so we don't decorate the altar simply because this is a simple task toward God. In July, we looked at the jars of clay. We looked at their humility. We looked at their weak and their frail nature. We looked at their victories. And we looked at the glory of the jars of clay. Even though the glory is not attributed to the jars, it is attributed to what the jars contain. They stand as an object lesson that is humble, that is frail in nature, and point to the fact that the contents are far more valuable than the jar itself. And while there may seem to be victories, it's not because of the jar, it is because of what it contains. All the glory goes to the contents of these jars of clay rather than the jars themselves. Now, try as I might, for this last object lesson, this last biblical image that we have, I tried to get a real-life version here to step on the altar so you could all see it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am a city boy, okay? I was born and raised 25 miles south of Chicago in the suburbs, and there were not a whole lot of farms around, but the farms that were there probably did not have a whole lot of animals on them, and the ones that did still surrendered any plowing duties over to the machines, the gas-powered machines, a long time ago. My grandfather lived on a farm, but he did not work the land. He had horses on that property. So again, this boy doesn't know anything about farming. However, I do know what our biblical image is. And hopefully it's coming up on the screen here in a second. There it is. It's a yoke. Uh, it is used by a pair of oxen to pull a plow behind them and plow the field. Now Jesus frequently uses images and illustrations from farming because the people that he was talking to, it's a very agrarian society. There were, uh, at that time, no tech companies. There was no Silicon Valley. Apple did not exist, much to my dismay, because we all know the appropriate answer to the question, what is the best cell phone, okay? Um, none of the images or illustrations for surrender that we have looked at in scripture were in any way fancy. The altar. Not fancy at all. Jars of clay, similarly, they don't call attention to themselves. And this yoke is no different. It is an object that really doesn't get a whole lot of fanfare. Uh, it is our next object of biblical surrender. Before we dig into the scripture part of things, I'll ask you this question. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So the question is, have you taken Jesus' yoke upon yourself and learned from him? Are you connected in that significant way? Because the yoke represents a Christ-directed life, a life that has been given up from our own ways and given over to what God would like us to do. We have willingly surrendered ourselves and we have accepted what Christ has for us. 
So being yoked with Jesus is not something that, um, well, let's put it this way, it's, it's such a common thing in the Christian life. All of us are supposed to be doing this, that sometimes we forget about it. It is not something that we discuss at parties. It is just something that is part and parcel of the Christian life. However, it is integral to how we live our lives and being disciples. And I'll go so far as to say this. If you are not yoked with Jesus, you cannot be his disciple. End of discussion on that one. You must be yoked with Christ. So today we're going to look at three things from this passage. We're going to look at the invitation of the yoke, the acceptance of the yoke, and the training from the yoke. So our first one, the invitation of the yoke. First thing I want you to see, the invitation is not an imposition. Christ is not forcing anything upon us. He invites us to take on his leadership, to take on this guidance that he's going to give us. Uh, I remember this as a little kid from one of the pastors who came through our church, and he said it this way, Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He asks you to take the yoke upon you, but he does not force himself, does not force anything about the Christian life on you. He asks you, he invites you. Question would be, why would we not accept that? Why would we not accept what Christ is offering? His leadership, his direction, his guidance. Talk a little bit more of that in a minute. The invitation we need to see is open to everyone. There's no conditions of race, there's no conditions of nationality, gender, socioeconomic, uh, political affiliation. There is no conditions to this invitation. And it's interesting because if you back up a few verses in chapter 11, uh, the invitation is actually coming on the heels of a condemnation. There were uh, people back in verses 20 through 24, if you read it, uh, Jesus was talking about the people in the town that he had just been in, and he said, you people are not listening to what I have to say. You are no better than these folks that we know from history, okay? Jesus turns around after condemning these folks in these different towns who saw his miracles, and he says, come to me and find rest. So even those that have just been condemned, Jesus is still saying, you know what? You can still find rest for your souls if you turn toward me. So the invitation is wide open that anyone can come. So here's a very important part. We should not limit that invitation. We should not declare a person or a group of people as not being included in this invitation no matter what group of people that is, no matter what individual that is. Sometimes we get upset with folks and we're like, that person can never be redeemed. Jesus can never get a hold of that person's life. Mm -mm. Jesus can still get a hold of that person's life. Sometimes we want to condemn entire groups. We get frustrated when we hear about things on the news and go, these people are just crazy. They're leading our country in the wrong direction. They're doing this, they're doing that. And we say, this group of people is never going to turn to Christ. Not true. Christ can reach anyone, and the invitation is open to everyone. This invitation can also mean the difference between a relationship with Christ or the weight of religion. Now, we've talked about these kinds of things in the past. Religion basically says do. 
earn God's favor by following laws, by following rules. Work your way into heaven. This is what religion tells us. In fact, Jesus in his original audience, the folks he's talking to here, it seems like he is kind of pointing toward the Pharisees and what they do. Jesus speaks out against um, the loads that the Pharisees are putting on the backs of people. Matthew chapter 23, verse four. Jesus said, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. They, or excuse me, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So the Pharisees are big on doing religious things rather than being a follower of Christ. In contrast to a religion that says do, Christ says come. The only action that we need to do is come and respond to the invitation that Christ gives to us. We have to decide that we want Christ to lighten our load because we cannot do that on our own. Christ is where we find genuine rest. The reason that we come is because Christ is doing all the work. It is not left up to us. We don't have to be weighed down by the rules of religion. Uh, we remove, excuse me, we come to the one who's going to remove those rules and works on our behalf instead of us doing it on our own. Now, third thing about this invitation. It is a switch, or it is the uh, invitation to switch what guides the course of our life. Jesus hears, um, excuse me, for Jesus, the hearers of the yoke, or about the yoke, were likely the law and the rules of the Pharisees that Jesus is pointing at. For us, we can often associate our burdens, our loads with all kinds of things today. One of those things, obviously, can be religion. There are plenty of people today who still teach religion as something that you have to save yourself, okay? I'm gonna tell you guys this, we talk about this on a regular basis, but I wanna make sure you get it. You cannot earn God's love. End of discussion. You cannot earn God's love. Whether you are before the cross, whether you have not accepted Christ as Savior and you're trying to do all kinds of things to get into heaven, or whether you are a Christian and you think, if I read my Bible more, if I pray more, if I come and listen to the greatest sermon that has ever been preached this Sunday, it doesn't really matter. God is not going to love you more. He loves you as much as he's gonna love you. However, to balance that out, you stand before God in two different ways. You either stand before God with him being your judge, because there's still sin that has to be paid for, or you stand before God having accepted what he has done, and you stand before God as our father, as one who has adopted us into his family. So we still have to make that decision. This is about the invitation that we make. So, um, this heavy load that we carry, it can be things that happen to us, our past history. It can be things that we have done ourselves that weigh us down. It can be sin. It can be the struggle that you're trying to get away from, whatever that sin may be that you say, man, I just want to get past this. I don't want this anymore. It can be any of those kinds of things. It can be success. It can be possessions, emotions, health, um, any number of stuff that we could sit here and name that we take on ourselves and burden ourselves down with that we should be accepting Christ's invitation toward removing those things and accept his invitation for the yoke. 
because he tells us his yoke uh, helps us learn. His yoke brings rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So changing yokes to most people sounds a little crazy. It's maybe better called counterintuitive. And counterintuitive is what Jesus has built his entire ministry on. If you want to find your life, you're going to lose it, right? If you want to be my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross, an instrument of torture and death, and you're going to follow me. Christ makes his life, his ministry, on the counterintuitive. So changing yokes for some people may seem counterintuitive, but it is the greatest and the best exchange that we can make. And I have said this from the pulpit before in the times that I have preached to y'all, and I'll say it again because it is the greatest thing that's ever happened. The great exchange, because we oftentimes focus on one side of this exchange. The great exchange is Jesus took our sins on the cross when he died and we bear them no more. All true, and that's the part that we often focus on. The part that we keep forgetting about is on this side, Jesus gives us his righteousness. When, Christ looked, or excuse, when God looks at us, he sees us, and he sees the perfect life that Christ has given to us. It is the greatest exchange that has ever happened in the history of man, and you need to keep that in mind. That is something that will draw you back to Christ every single time when you think through that. So, the invitation is also an invitation to learn. When we take, uh, take the yoke of Christ, he says, learn from me. And again, in context, Jesus has condemned these towns just a few verses before because they would not learn from him. They would not accept him as Messiah. Even though he performed miracles in these towns like healings, um, healing a blind man, giving sight to the blind man, casting out demons, and he even raised a little girl from the dead. Now, it is easy to stand on this side of the cross where we're at and look back at those folks and say, how do you not get this? The guy just raised somebody from the dead. He's the Messiah. Why do you not understand this? But I would love to say that I would be there and say, you know what? This guy just raised somebody from the dead, so he's got to be for real. But I could wind up being just as blind as those folks were because Satan's power is powerful. So we can't be too harsh on <clears throat> those folks. But the people in these towns <clears throat> refuse to learn. And Christ asks us to learn about him and learn from him. And what is in view here is the discipline that comes from being a disciple of Christ. We allow Jesus to direct us. We allow him to train us. Accepting Christ's invitation to take on this yoke is an accepting an invitation to discipleship. This invitation is also an invitation for rest. And to be clear, the rest that we experience comes from the fact that Christ is gentle and humble in heart. While I can't say this definitively, it is a little interesting that Matthew chooses two different words. He chooses the word give in verse 28 and the word find in verse 29. When we come to Christ, Christ gives us Rest. When we first come with our salvation, he gives rest to us. The deeper that we go in Christ, the more we find rest. 
the more we, deeper we go, we find even deeper rest in him. Now again, I can't prove to you that that was what Matthew was thinking when he wrote this, but it is interesting and it's certainly the way that we experience the Christian life. So we have the invitation of the yoke, but now we also have the acceptance of the yoke. One of the reasons I think we often uh, struggle to accept the uh, rest that Christ has offered to us is we don't understand how being obedient and taking this yoke on us could ever wind up bringing us rest because it still sounds like work. There's a gap between claiming faith in Christ and living obediently to Christ. And it's almost as if, you know what, I don't want to live quite obediently to Christ until Christ reveals his will to me. And then I'll move where he wants me to go. The problem with that is Christ has already revealed his will to us. It's in the book that we hold in our hands. It's in the book that we read on a regular basis. It's called the Bible. We know what God's will is for us. We just got to do it. And unfortunately, I think what holds a lot of people back in that is they're waiting for God to reveal the next step for them to move in life, and yet they won't do the steps that they already know. We're waiting for Christ to move us and direct us, but we're, he's already put something in our path and says, do this first. When you do this, then I'll reveal the next step. But you're still stuck on this because you don't want to do this thing. We're still hoping for some sort of special flashy revelation when in reality, he's already put his will out for us so that we know and understand it. One of the struggles toward obedience is that we oftentimes cling to the burdens and the excess baggage that we have in the Christian life. Now, I've had to fly during this summer. Some of you may have flown during the summer while you've been on vacations. And you are one of two people. You are either the person who's gonna get everything in your checked bag and you're gonna give them extra money for that checked bag, or you are one of these people who says, I am going to stuff my entire life into this little bag and try and get it on the plane so I don't have to pay any extra money. Unfortunately, that's a picture of us living the Christian life. We try and stuff everything in even when Christ is trying to help remove some of these burdens from us. Uh, this is a picture of when we just don't release those burdens. The possessions that we hold too tightly, the activities that we think are so important, the habits that wind up getting in the way, the things that take priority in our lives that should wind up taking a back seat, personal baggage of guilt, lust, selfishness, anger, pride, the list goes on and on. When we do this, we weigh ourselves down and we were never designed to take on that kind of weight. Um, the AP News in January of 1999 reported on uh, North Atlantic fishing industry. Now the industry saw um, a deadly string of accidents in a 13 day period. The Cape Fear, the Adriatic, and the Beth Bob were lost at sea off the coast of Massachusetts and New Jersey. In all, 10 men died and five of them were never found. The commercial fishing uh, is a dangerous way to make life, make a living, but these three ships all going down in such a short period of time was extraordinary uh, at any time of the 
life. Uh, investigations revealed three facts about these particular sinkings, these boats. None of them involved a hull breach, so no holes in the bottom of the boat. All three were piloted by veteran captains with at least 10 years experience or more. And three ships, or all three ships were near the end of their run. So they were within 15 miles of being home. So what happened? Well, two of the ships were carrying too much weight and the other one was carrying its weight improperly. So commercial vessels on the water in early January are mostly clam boats. And all of these boats happen to be clam boats as well. A commercial clam trap is three feet by three feet by four feet. And it weighs 300 pounds without anything in it. When you fill these traps, each one of them weighs between one to one and a half tons. So that's 2,000 to 3,000 pounds. The Cape Fear and the Adriatic each had 10 extra traps on board, above what they were supposed to carry. That is 10 to 15 extra tons of weight. That is 20,000 to 67,000 extra pounds. In interviews, they would talk to other boat captains on land, and they said, what is it? Why would they ignore what they knew was true of taking on so much more weight than they should have? And the answer that they would get back from all of these captains was, I don't know, every single time. Because the reality was this, that was just something that was common in the industry. That's what they would regularly do. So they were just doing the normal thing. Nobody thought twice about it. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a real danger in holding on to, to, holding on to our burdens and holding on to that weight that we were never designed to carry. Peter wrote this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, Douglas Webster says of this verse in his book, The Discipline of Surrender. We should remember that the Lord is our Savior and not our Sherpa. He goes on to give this illustration of a millionaire socialite and her Sherpa, Lapsang. Lapsang carried the following things up Mount Everest for this woman. A satellite phone, two IBM laptops, a video camera, three 35mm cameras, a digital camera, two tape recorders, a CD-ROM player, a printer, an espresso maker, and enough solar panels and batteries to run all of that stuff. Webster in his book concludes this. He says, she, trying to climb Mount Everest with all of her equipment, is the picture of a Christian trying to follow Christ, but still hanging on to all the cares and the pressures of this world. Christ invites us to lay those burdens down. We do it by picking up his yoke. His yoke, by comparison, is called easy and light. So we have seen the invitation of the yoke, we've seen the acceptance of the yoke, and now we're gonna look at the training from the yoke. Um, the image of surrender, this object lesson for us from the yoke, kind of has two parts. One of them is learning, and that's what we are learning about in Christ. 
We are learning from him. We are learning how to live the Christian life. But part of it is action. Part of it is moving forward. It's not just sitting there learning for the sake of learning. It is learning to move, learning to do. There's another passage I do want to take you to uh, that also talks about this yoke. It is found in Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. This is what it says. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Now, this passage, just to give you a little context, in the book of Hosea, this passage is talking about uh, God's love for the nation, uh, nation of Israel, as is the whole book. The whole book is talking about that as well. But these few, or just a few verses before this verse, God is telling them, uh, after releasing Israel from being slaves, Israel goes chasing after other gods. And yet, when we get to this verse, God continues to love them. They have gotten themselves into a total mess of a burden, all because they turned their backs on God's love and they chased after other gods. And yet, God stoops down to meet them where they are. If you remember Matthew, come to me all who are weary, who are burdened, who are weighed down, and I will give you rest. It's a picture of God stooping down to lift the burden from the backs of the Israelites. The burden that they foolishly placed on themselves and the burden that flew in the face of who God really was because they were committing spiritual adultery. The burden has been wearing them out. And this burden had been on their necks for so long that they really didn't know how to get it off themselves. So God stoops down to meet them where they are, and he stoops down to feed them and to love them. And because we, like them, do not know how to operate without a yoke, because we have been under this burden of the yoke that we've been on for so long. Not only do we need Jesus to come and remove our yoke, but we need him to stoop down to us, to love us, to feed us, and perhaps most importantly, provide us with a new yoke that we are going to learn from and grow in. His yoke that he hands to us. Again, he says, Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And again, it brings to mind a question, why is his yoke easy and his burden light? Uh, Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost used to give this metaphor, and uh, the very first time I ever read it, it just kind of blew me away. He said, there was an old farmer plowing uh, the field with his team of oxen. And there was a new pastor in town, and he was out driving by this field, uh, visiting folks with one of the elders in the church. And the new pastor noticed that this team of oxen, one of the oxen was massive, and then the other one was just this little guy. And so he turns and asks the question and says, why is this team so mismatched? I thought you wanted them to be equally yoked together. And this is what the elder said. He was also a farmer. I want you to notice something. See the way those traces are hooked to the yoke, you will observe that the large ox is pulling all of the weight. And that little guy, he's being broken into the yoke. To having it around his neck, 
but he's not really pulling any weight. And the pastor's mind quickly recalled, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your weary souls. See, in a normal yoke, the load is evenly distributed between the two that are yoked together. But when we are yoked with Christ, he bears the load. And we who are yoked with him are being trained. We are being learned. We are having that burden removed from us, but still learning the way of Christ. So just some final thoughts. The yoke of Jesus is an invitation that no one is, infor- me, that no one is forced to take. No one needs to worry about having to have that thrust on them unwillingly. God is never going to force you to take it. He invites you to take it. We need to accept Christ's yoke as a gift that's going to give us rest. We carry too much of a burden, too much weight in life. And we have got to, uh, excuse me, we have gotten so used to carrying this weight to the point that we uh, have a hard time really functioning without living life with that weight. But Christ's yoke is different. It is easy, it is light, it brings rest. And Jesus teaches us how much better his yoke is than the world's. The yoke is no flashy instrument of spiritual life. It is about as common as it comes, yet it teaches us to fully surrender and fully learn from Christ, to give up those burdens that we bear, and to seek the rest that Christ gives us. So here's the final questions. Do you need rest in Jesus? Is there a burden that you need to be laying down? We can go through that litany of different burdens that you may be facing, but whatever those burdens may be, uh, do you need to lay something down? Is there something that you need to unburden yourself at the foot of Christ? Whatever that may be, um, well, let me put it this way. There's two ways that we can look at this. Uh, If you are here and you have never accepted Christ for the first time, it means you're being yoked with the worldly burden, with that heavy weight of what the world tells us we're supposed to be like, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to think, all these different things. And if you're here for the first time and you have never heard about who Christ is, what he's done for us on the cross, or maybe you've been here several times and it's finally clicking and you're saying, yes, I need that. This is a time for you to unburden yourself by coming to Christ and saying, I need you. I need you to take this weight off of me and I need to learn about who you are. For others who may have a relationship with Christ, here's my question. Have you been holding onto the yoke half-heartedly? Have you been saying, you know what? Yes, I want to follow Christ, but I still want to kind of follow the world. So you kind of have, trying to have it all rather than following after Christ completely. That might be you. You may need to unburden yourself finally and completely from the things of the world and say, yes, I accept what Christ is giving me. Today, there's no things to give out to you like the first time with the rocks. There is no fancy anything else that may be coming your way. Uh, I don't have yokes to hand out to all of you at the door when you leave. All I have is time of prayer. Uh, So in just a moment, we're just going to have a time of silence for you to be able to come before God and talk to him about where you stand with him, 
what you might need to be unburdening yourself of, whether it be coming to Christ for the first time or letting go of some of the things of this world and really following after him. So let's take this time and I'll close this in just a minute or two. Father, I pray that you would uh, take your words of scripture, that you would apply them to our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would be moving inside of us to direct us what that next step is, whether we need you for that very first time or whether we need to be getting serious about you and fully taking that yoke on ourselves. God, convict us, move us forward, help us to see what we need and then help us to embrace that, Lord. Help us to accept that yoke of yours, which is easy and light and is gonna bring us rest. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.